silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, and of course, powered by Audio-Technica. My name is Matt Tilby. It is wonderful to be back with you on the airwaves, and I am joined, of course, once again by our, uh, our fearless leader, Mr. Brendan White. Brendan, how you doing? What it be, baby? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Oh, it's, it's good to be back after uh, a week away. Um, you guys ably filled in in my absence. Um, the the inmates ran wild in the last episode, but yeah. uh, you know we managed to sort of put things back to how where they needed to be by the end of the episode. And we're the, ready. The to, grumpy uh, old men had a uh, had a bit of a, a field day, it seems, and uh, managed to get in their uh, their jipes and jabs at at the youngins of this uh, basketball world. But uh, no, it was a great episode. Um, you guys summed everything up pretty pretty well and um it was really good to listen to um listen it, back it to it felt at times like we were the two old men from the muppets up in the up <laughs> in the crowd like at the at the theater statler and waldorf yeah i um i use that in a gif to uh promote you guys on the episode on twitter um and i thought it was it was quite fitting so uh maybe you'll have to uh run and run but uh yeah, thank you to everyone who has, of course, listened to our three previous episodes, of course, summing up the Eastern Conference. But uh, now we're heading west. We're heading into the Western Conference, and it's pretty much going to be one of the more star-studded conferences, or I should say the divisions, um, as we're looking at the Pacific Division. Um, two or even three teams in particular looking to be the top dog this season. Um, and we might as well just jump straight into it because we, uh, we've we got a lot to cover in this division. And we might as well start with the Golden State Warriors as we go alphabetically. Of course, the team who fell short to uh, your, well, your team, I should say, the Toronto yes! Raptors. We the North. You we can't, the you, North. We the you, champs. You can't see it, ladies and gentlemen, but he was visibly just shaking and pumping his fists wildly um, in a fit of... Pure euphoria is probably the only way to say it. But um, when you look at the the Warriors now, it's a period where, well, they're essentially venturing into the unknown. They've lost their final game at the Oracle Arena. They've now moved to the brand spanking new Chase Center, which I looked up this morning, and it looks fantastic. If you get a chance, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, check it out. It looks phenomenal. Um, they've moved from Oakland to San Francisco, which has divided the fan base a little bit. But um, in the player sense, they've lost one of their biggest players over the last couple of years in the form of Kevin Durant. Uh, But they've now moved uh, to sign another big player in the form of D'Angelo Russell, which sort of, you know, changes the dynamic of the team a little bit. Obviously now with Clay Thompson uh, injured for a, what we would say is a particularly large chunk of the season ahead. How do you think that changes the dynamic of the team? It's it's going to be a weird team to watch this year, I think. Like going from the cream of the crop for the last several years, they're now sort of not you wouldn't say middle of the pack, but they're certainly going to take a step backwards this year. Like like this is going to be Steph's team again this year. Like no mm. Clay, no KD, no uh, Demarcus Cousins because he's too busy doing all kinds of terrible things. Uh, yeah, so, we'll keep that to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to look really, really different. Like, and they're going to be struggling to compete, sort of at the top of not only the Pacific Division but the Western Conference as a whole. I think. Like, I love Steph, and I love when he sort of takes that floor general role. But like, you look at the team they've got. Like, they're severely lacking shooters. Like. Um, Russell's not too bad a pickup and they've got a few other dudes like Alec Burks can sort of 
get hot from time to time. But yeah, this team just looks like a middle of the pack Western Conference team to me now. Like Draymond's still great and he's going to kick some more people in the balls. But outside of that, man, there, there's nothing <laughs> nothing really too intimidating on this team, I don't think. Well, yeah, it seems like looking at the ins and outs of the team, they're really pinning their hopes on a lot of the players who were probably fringe players um, in seasons gone by. Guys like Kevin Looney and even uh, Alfonso McKinney. Um, but even in the players that they've brought in, you know, apart from D'Angelo Russell, like you could argue, like you said, Alec Burks, but really the big one for me is at the center position, Willie Cauley-Stein, who... Yeah, big Willie. Um, you could argue wasn't the best sort of fit for the Sacramento Kings. He's now come in um, and really it's the revolving door of the Golden State centers. Obviously, they've had guys like Andrew Bogut and Boogie Cousins coming in and out of that team, but... Um, he's going to have to work really hard to fit into that team or else they're, they're really going to struggle because it puts a lot of pressure on, on Draymond's shoulders, doesn't it? Yeah, like like Willie's not a bad player and he, he's always been that whole like, what if he takes that next step? He could, you know, jump up a, into those sort of higher tiered centers in the NBA, but he's just never gotten there. I just don't know if he's got the, the fire. Like he seems mm. to coast in games. Like he'll, he'll go... 20 and 10 one game and then the next it'll be like seven and seven or something like he's very hot and cold and i don't know what it is with golden state's obsession with just grabbing centers from sort of down the road there like in cali like from sack (laughs) so maybe there's sort of a like a gentleman's agreement there between kerr and the guys at the kings but yeah he doesn't he doesn't intimidate me like from just thinking of what he can do as far as a presence in the paint like cousins for all his shortcomings last year, like he's still a big body who can bang and yeah. defend like there's no one's business. But Corley Stein, he, he sort of always reminded me a little bit of like the Lopez brothers, like sort of more interested in trying to do more offensively than defensively. And, and mm. looking at this lineup, I don't think they can survive with that. Yeah, that it's it's also a number of players that have been around the team for a while who may have not been the, the bigger players, guys like... You know, your Sean Livingston's Iguodala was a big loss for them as well. That's a huge loss. I think yeah. that's severely underrated. Like the vet presence, one of the first sort of vets to jump across when this dynasty was was starting, and yeah, now he's over in Memphis. Like that's a severely underrated loss for them this season. I think. Yeah, it'll be hard to see where they can sort of bring that that presence in. But um, I guess one of the big questions, as we sort of mentioned, D'Angelo Russell. Um, sort of fitting into the rotation while uh, Clay Thompson is out injured. But when he comes back in, how do you see this rotation working? Because obviously uh, Clay works more as a shooting guard and D'Lo is obviously an out-and-out point guard. So do you feel like they may have to move Clay to perhaps even a small forward position and sort of work all of them in at once? Or do you feel like this they're agreeing to some sort of rotation in that sense? Yeah, like... like- it's, they definitely got the potential there to run more of that sort of small ball functionality where um, Russell, what I think he's 6'5", Clay's 6'7", and then Steph's, I think he's, what, 6'3"-ish, and then you'd have Draymond playing the 4 or 5 with Looney. So there's there's a decent 5 there that you could play off with, but I, I think Clay wouldn't look too out of place at the 3. Um, he can defend 
uh, players like that, as you saw in in the final before he went down with that injury again. Like he was mm. often defending against Leonard or Siakam, depending on sort of the the switch out. So he can he can defend and hold his own against some of the bigger bodies out there. So. I think it's going to be Steph one, Russell at the two, and then Clay at the three when they're all fully healthy. Um, when Clay's going to return, what in the back third of the season? It was a while, yeah, yeah. Time will tell whether Steve Kerr can uh, really fit all the pieces into the puzzle. Obviously, he's a tr- tremendous coach, and we've seen what he can do with uh, a pretty, you know, st- stacked injury list. But um, he's hoping that they can produce something. For their larger, larger crowd and their larger stadium, I've mm. just I've been looking at it all morning. It's a tremendous place to play, um, and I hope that they can really fill it out. But uh, we should move a little bit further. I think South is San Francisco, south of LA. I get my yeah. It's pretty much San Fran, Cali- oh, Los Angeles, and then um, San Diego. If my maths is correct, but okay. I could be wrong. <laughs> there we go. I've been to all three of those cities a few times, and I still Ooh. am a bit hazy. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. well, I was going to say we should move south to uh, to La La Land, where really the paradigm shift is in full effect. the The Clippers have now really given a big shout that they want to be the team in Los Angeles. Of course, yeah. the the biggest. Um, well, yeah, you could argue the biggest uh, moves. Of the trade uh, period, Paul George and your boy Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, goddamn. Does it very uh, bittersweet? This very bittersweet. Like, yeah, <laughs> obviously he helped deliver us our first and potentially only championship for for, for the foreseeable future. Um, so you know, no hard feelings that he left, but it's just weird to see a player win a championship with a team and get treated like a god and still go. But like Kawhi's always been a bit of a unique cat. So mm. I can understand um, it sucks, especially because one of my good mates who's just a disgustingly obsessed Clippers fan has just been at me all the time and Clippers dynasty and blah, blah, blah. So that kind of hurts. But yeah, this team's shaping up pretty good, like especially on the defensive end. Like they've got dudes like George and, and Leonard and Beverly and co. They can defend like they're one of the like some of the best defenders in their position so this team's going to be fun to watch yeah it's it's an interesting sort of dynamic where obviously the defensive end guys like George and Leonard come in but looking at the the team that they've managed to retain from the previous season even guys like Montreal Harrell who you could argue really this season you'd want to see whether he can take that next step and possibly even you know be knocking on the door of all-star contention because he was playing like that pretty much all last season anyway for a, a really overachieving Clippers unit. But even guys like Avika Zubac and even Landry Shamet, who was really providing some clutch moments for the team, especially through that, uh, that late run uh, that they had towards the first round of the playoffs. I can see this team being a real contender uh, in the West. Obviously, if they can keep their players fit, because you know, even if one of George or um, or Leonard goes down, they might struggle. You know, that's when the the dominoes might fall and things might happen. But yeah, like even some of the the guys that they brought in, uh, Mo Harkless and and Patrick Patterson. You know, even these guys who have this vet presence around this sort of younger. Um, crop of players the Lakers have to be looking over their shoulder don't they yeah like I think this team's going to live and die on on health especially of, of Kawhi like 
you look at what the Raptors did with his load management last year. Like they, I think they're going to need to probably implement something similar this year. So he missed you know, nearly 20-odd games last season for the Raptors. And, and if he's missing that amount of time, and obviously George is getting a little bit older and he's had a couple of serious injuries um, over the last handful of years, mm. um, I don't know how they're going to do the load management and still stay at the top. Like They've got some good pieces. Like Harrell, as you said, had a huge year last year. I think he went from like one point per game to like 18 or something insane. Like yeah. He just <laughs> burst onto the scene last year because they had no other options. But... They're still very top heavy. Like they, they, there's not mm. a deep bench here. Like Harkless has always sort of had that. Will he? Won't he take that next step thing from his Portland days? Patrick Patterson's been around for a while now and and never really has justified the hype of being a lottery pick. Like he's always been a good support player and been occasionally going off one in every maybe twenty odd games. But they're going to live on health and health and sort of their defense, I think. But it certainly looks good on paper. You know, just Beverly Leonard and George alone, I think, is, is pretty damn scary. And then I guess Harold, you slot in there in the start. And is it going to be um, Big Zubash at the center, you'd say? That would be their starting five you'd see it as? Well, you'd, you'd sort of rotate either um, Zubach or um, I was going to say Harold, even at the at the power forward, perhaps. Um, you could you could feasibly put either two of them in. Mm. Um Harrell has played center uh, for the Clippers quite a bit last season anyway, so he's capable of doing either, but he's certainly not not as much of a stretch for as you would expect, so he's probably more, I'd say, suited to the center position, which gives them a little bit of rotation um, down low, but really the big problem is what they gave up for guys like um, Paul George, especially the loss of, uh, of guys like Danilo Gallinari and Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who I've been singing the praises of for you far. love him yeah, he's great. so much <laughs> he's he's an he's an excellent young talent um and i i think that he's really gonna he's gonna be a big loss i think for the clippers if they have injuries and they really sort of are, are, are stretched for uh talent on the bench like you were sort of saying just then like their bench wasn't you know particularly great um and he really would have been that sort of creative spark for them if he was still there he isn't yeah um, and that might be a, a telling blow for them but yeah, it's it's an interesting time in in Los Angeles, and I think, like you said, really it's going to hinge on the two big boys uh, whether they can produce what they've um, been creating, I guess, uh, for their two respective teams last season. Yeah, and like they've mortgaged their future on this. Like they're all yeah. in. they need to win a championship <laughs> in the next two years, otherwise they're in some big trouble because well, <laughs> these boys are you know not on the back end of their career, but they're getting older. They'll be sort of. 30 and above in, in two years' time and a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. And these guys not having picks until it feels like the year 2053, um, it's a big risk. Like, I like it. It's a ballsy move. I love when professional sports teams do this, when they're like, you know what? All chips in. You know, we're, we're mm. going for it this year. We might flame out, but at least we're having a crack. Yeah, so, it's, it's, it's very funny that you say that because you could easily just copy-paste the word Clippers with that and replace that with Lakers because obviously we're now moving on to LeBron's boys. Um, obviously, one of the other big <laughs> moves in the offseason made well before Paul George and Leonard um, moved to California. This is an interesting one uh, because looking at the retained in and out uh, list in front of me, I've never seen a bigger in list in in 
well, the entire yeah. league so far. It's, it's pretty bonkers, isn't it? Like the Lakers, like you could almost copy and paste some of what we talked about with the Clippers just now, though, regarding health and load management and things mm. like that. Like obviously Cousins is pretty well gone now. They've, they've grabbed Dwight Howard, which is crazy. You know, he's doing his second tour of duty now at the Lakers. <laughs> um, Anthony Davis is huge, like huge, 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 huge. Um, you can't fault that in any way, shape, or form. Like, he is a difference maker. But him and James, like James, obviously, on an age and getting a few minor niggles here and there. But Davis is pretty much every year missed a substantial amount of games season on season. So they're going to have to manage these guys because if one of them go down i could see him sort of falling to the back end of the you know the top eight in the west yeah i I was actually going to ask a question similar to that sort of that sort of area as well if i or either the clippers or the lakers have that particularly large injury problem or you know one of their star players goes down let's say for example lebron goes down for the lakers and for the clippers it's Kawhi leonard which team do you see having the bigger fall? Who's, who's? I was going to say, more prepared to take that fall and who's really going to be hit the hardest? I think I think the Lakers had sustained it a little bit more just looking at their pickups. Like, they've got some good young players there and, and a mixture of sort of vets, whether they be older or sort of middle-aged. Like, guys like Jared Dudley, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, like... They're all players that have been in the league for a while. They can create their own offense. But they're pretty good defensively. Um, so they'd be able to fill in admirably, I think, for, say, a James if he goes down. Um, Davis, I think Davis is probably going to be more valuable to this team this year if he stays healthy because LeBron seems to be slowing down. Like, what is he now, 34? Yeah, I think he is 34, yeah. Yeah, so the king, you know, he's, he's an older king. Like, I wish I looked like that at 34 next year, <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I, th- I think they've just got a bit more depth, um, whether it be in their starters or whether their bench. I think the Lakers could sustain the King, you know, taking half a season off and still fighting their way through. Like Kuzma is a great young piece. I guess he's sort of on the same level as, as Harrell as far as these young studs that are coming up that can play that 3-4. Yeah, that, and that was the thing as well with, with Kuzma. Obviously, last season, he was you could consider him sort of the second in command to LeBron um, and now that his supporting cast, so to speak, has all pretty much left for New Orleans, um, we all saw him being that, you know, taking that next step and, and really gelling with LeBron. But now that Davis has come in and sort of usurped that position, do you feel like he's, you know, lessened his load? Is that a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Um, I think I think it's probably good overall. Like, you look at their team from last year to this year, like, you look at the outs... Like Lonzo Ball, yeah, okay. Um, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lance Stevenson. Like, there's no real guys that they go, man, they're irreplaceable. Mm. Like, what are they going to do here? But, like, because I'm a big Avery Bradley fan. I think he's really, really underrated. Quinn Cook, I think it's a great pickup for him, too, to give him some, some good offense off the bench. Or maybe maybe he wins a starting job and then Rondo comes off the bench. I don't know. Like, they've, they've got good pieces in, in just about every position. Yeah, um, I, I think you've got to watch for Alex Caruso, really. Yeah. The, uh, the, the comb-over is, uh, is going to be in full effect <laughs> if uh, he gets a you know, decent uh, amount of minutes for the Lakers this year. And especially if they have a, a, you know, an injury problem like we've discussed, like 
some of the stuff that he was putting in the gym, like if, if Jono was here, we'd be talking muscle watch sort of stuff. He looked, you know, the the scene in Captain America when he comes out of the, the chamber after yep, having yep. Um, been injected after with the super, the super serum. After getting super soldier, yeah. Yeah, like think of that. That's what he looked like in the gym. It was frightening. Um, so hopefully he can translate some of that, uh, that power on the court. But... Uh, yeah, it, it's tough to see which of the Los Angeles teams are going to be really kicking on in, in this postseason. Hopefully, for LeBron's sake, he can make a, a good fist of it because, like you said, and especially you know in the same light as the, the Clippers, if they don't get that sort of success that they're after, there's a big slope that they'll be, uh, they'll, uh, be heading down. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good to watch. It's going to be really good to watch. And I'm curious, like... The shrewd little pickup of Costas, um, obviously Giannis's brother, who is a very average NBA player, him making his <laughs> way across there. Like, is there a bit of bit of chess going on already, where we've got Giannis becoming a free agent very shortly? Are they already trying Ooh, to get the ducks in a row he, to pull him across? Yeah, you think he's planting the seed? Is he? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Like LeBron. He's, he's got some influence and who doesn't want to play under the big city lights of Los Angeles as, a, as opposed to Milwaukee, you know? Well, like, yeah. doesn't have the true. same ring to it, but... I hear yeah. Milwaukee does some good fried food, so... Yeah, I haven't actually been to Milwaukee, so I, I can't really um, pan it at the moment, but I'd... And I now think about it, at the same time, like, I don't really like Los Angeles, so maybe I'd prefer to be in Milwaukee. <laughs> Let's scrap that. To hell with LA. I'm staying in Milwaukee. Well, I was going to say, what, beer. why don't we, uh, why don't we uh, take a plane to uh, Arizona and check out the uh, Phoenix Suns? Oh, my God. It, it, I don't know if you've ever been to Arizona, but there is not a whole lot going on there apart from the heat. Like, it, it, it sucks, man. Well, there's, there's clearly not a lot going on with the Phoenix Suns either. Uh, <laughs> hey, they, they signed Aaron Baines. Yeah, well... Australian legend at this point in time with the uh, the FIBA World Cup still currently rumbling on and they've been pretty much kicking up a, a good fight. All the best to Is him. Is he still rocking the top knot? No, I think he's he's gone more for just a spiky, like fuzzy um, Oh, has cut. he sort of got the bird man going on now? Or no, no, it's more like a, a, a simple sort of just general um, parted left. Okay, I guess the unkempt hair. Yeah, the the NBA 2K would describe it as parted left or parted right. Um, yeah, and then he's just got the big old Ned Kelly beard going on. Um, clearly, ladies and gentlemen, we we have so much to talk about for the Phoenix Suns if we're talking uh, haircuts for one of our lesser players. See, I've been waiting for this period for so long to talk about my team. <laughs> Having talked to Jono about the Bulls and you about the Raptors quite early on, I've been waiting, waiting for this moment to talk about the Phoenix Suns, and I've just got nothing. I've got nothing. You got nothing. How, how do you feel? All right, let's let's sort of flip it around. Like like you've, there's been a few outgoings of the team. Like mm-hmm. looking through, nothing really of massive loss. Like TJ Warren, I think is probably the biggest loss yeah, for you guys. Yeah. I love him. He's so damn underrated. Mm. And you trade him away for a packet of chips. Like, I don't understand what was going on. (laughs) What did we... Because there were a a big bunch of trades that... I think we ended up with Kyle Korver, his contract for like a day. And then I think we waived him. And he ended up in Milwaukee. And the same same thing sort of happened to, to Dragon Bender, who was, you know... I think you talked about a couple of players in the league being the sort of eternal reclamation project. Um, yeah. We were all just, you know, poking him with a stick, thinking that Bender was going to become the next, you know, Porzingis, essentially. Um, and it never materialized. And 
that is going to be one of the big, I guess, um, blots on the copybook of Robert Sava because, you know, he went fourth overall. I, yeah, I, I, I get the fact that he was quite young, but he was very hyped, came from Europe and then did quite well in the EuroLeague. But yeah, that was that was frustrating. And then, you know, looking through the rest of the, the team, Rashawn Holmes did quite well in, in what was a, a pretty, you know, concerning uh, season last year. And I mean, I, I really would have loved to have seen Josh Jackson and Jimmer Fredette get, you know, a couple more minutes, but... Ah, uh, Jimmer. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Jimmer, scoring about 60 points in China and, and not he, getting Yeah, he has been everywhere. Like, yeah. it is insane. Like, he's still... Like, I think he's still, like, late 20s at the, at the sort of oldest, and he's been in China. He's been on about 75 different professional teams now, <laughs> like... No, white man can shoot, and he just keeps landing these jobs. You know, yeah. Like, See my college tape, bro. Sign me up. And there he is <laughs> exactly. Again. But I mean, even you know, looking through the ins in the team that we've we've managed to pick up, I mean, there's a couple of decent options there. Obviously, the rookies that have come through, Ty Jerome and, and Cameron Johnson, um, look like interesting prospects. And it's really you know a particularly damning indictment of the team if I'm just calling them interesting, um, you know, rather than being like. The big guys are going to break out, but um, they're more interesting than Frank Kaminsky, that's for sure. Like, <laughs> look, a, a solid backup power forward presence, you know, in the same in the same um, same vein as Dragon Bender. Can't really say too much about that, but I, I there are two players really that I want to talk about and focus on. One being Ricky Rubio. Um, if you'd have said to me, you know, maybe five six years ago that the Suns would land Ricky Rubio, I would have said cool. But if this was the, you know, fresh out of Europe, Ricky Rubio, not the spent six years doing absolutely shit all in, in yeah. Minnesota and, and Utah, um, you know. We, we How do over- you feel about it now? Like We overpaid. Uh, overpaid? Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we, we panicked at the draft and we ended up overpaying for um, a guy who you know, feasibly could now make that starting position his own. I saw a bunch of Instagram posts from the Suns being like, these players have had their best seasons under Dario Saric. Yeah, that's because they're good players, not because they're playing with Dario Saric like, mm. and Ricky Rubio. I'm getting them all mixed up. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm just, I, I can ah. see that. Like, oh. I, like coming from a, a long, long Help sort me, of pain-related Raptors fan, like we have been in the throes of ha- like heartache and hardship since I can remember. So I've, I've walked these paths, my friend, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but look, like- look, Saric, Saric is, is a, a, a pretty you know competent point. I was going to say point guard. I'm getting them mixed up. Power forward. Power forward. I've seen Small him. Small pl- forward. He's a big unit. I yeah. heard your Xbox just turn on, by the way. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Everything's turning on. Everyone's freaking out. Um, I, I know you love the Suns, but like, Simmer down there. The, I'm turning on 2K20. It's it's just the it's sexual just... aromas permeating through my <laughs> earphones right now from you. It's out of control. Like I know you love Booker, but yeah, like, well, simmer uh, down. Two 2K20 came out this week for anyone who wants to uh, date this uh, this podcast episode. 2K20 came out, and uh, well, I've I've been going through my uh, my career and, and just hoping to uh, relive the glory days of the Phoenix Suns. But um, yeah, look. It's going to be another middling season, I would suggest. But mm. you got some good pieces, though. Like uh, Kelly Oubre, I love him. Mm. I think he's he, really underrated. Yeah, uh, he's still really young. That's a sneaky get for you guys. Yeah, um, Michael Bridges, highlight real man, 
get him some more minutes and see what he's about. Like, and then you've obviously got Booker and Aiton. So that's that's some good young pieces that can grow together. And then you've got um, Dario, who's still a youngish dude. Rubio can handle the reins for now until until your rookie makes his way through. Um, what the hell was his name? Javon Carter. Yes. Like, to to sort of get into that uh into that sort of uh, pointish area, but. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as painful as you think. You've got some good pieces at least. Yeah. And it, you got picks. You haven't traded away all your picks. Yeah, thankfully. Um, yeah, like you said, Ubre really was, was going to be um, the big piece for us, obviously sort of lightening the load for Booker um, as well as being a, a creative offensive uh, weapon on the floor. He was very underrated last season, like I said, and um, Michael Bridges sort of did the same. Um, I think he was leading the league in steals. For, for, for quite a while so it sort of shows how under the radar he flew for quite a while and, and was really providing a, a decent spark on offense um, Tyler Johnson has a bit of versatility about him once again we're overpaying for him I think we're yeah, still just retaining that contract grabbed him from Miami right yeah we, we sort of traded away um, Ryan Anderson who was similarly overpaid oh, I wonder what's going on there Phoenix come on <laughs> sort it out but uh, look it's there's at least a bit of optimism there um, and if it all, you know, falls to shit, like it almost certainly will, um, we've got the draft to look forward to, and we've got the draft picks left. So, uh, can we can we move on now, please? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about the royalty then. I guess, eh? Yeah, the Kings have. Uh, well, they've. This is probably the team that's probably done the least of any team in the league so far. They've uh, managed to maintain uh, a significant amount of their team from last year and. Really, the the biggest in for them has been um, their coach, Luke Walton. <laughs> yeah, f- I don't know what they're doing here. Like, <laughs> obviously, they want to see what the young, the young fellas can do. Like, they've got some decent pieces in that core. Like, I'm I love De'Aaron Fox. Mm, I think he can yeah. be really, really, really special. Buddy Heald starting to to heat up, but I'm still on the fence about him. I think he just gives a lot of hollow numbers. Like he can score a lot, but that's about it. Oh, no, look, Harrison I, Barnes, yes, I, I like. I I actually disagree. Like I think that that trio of Heald, Fox, and Marvin Bagley is perhaps one of the better, like younger trios in the league at this point in time. I mean, you could make a, an argument for you know, say some of the other guys in in perhaps you know Philly, but they've probably got a couple of years on them at least, but. These guys probably have probably the most upside of, of you know guys who have probably come in within the last two to three years. Um, yeah, hopefully you'd, you'd like to see them develop under Luke Walton, but it really will be a test of his coaching credentials if he can manage these guys. Obviously, he had it pretty tough going straight into a team with LeBron, and really that's just a, a death knell. For, for any coach really um, they just need to keep Vladi's hands away from this team as much as they can <laughs> like he just tinkers I, I swear he just hates this organization so he just does what he can to destroy it from within yeah like, oh man yeah, yeah be- but like they've got a good young core um, as far as some of their new ins like Ariz is a great veteran presence um, mm, yeah. Dwayne Dedman I think is a bit of an underrated grab same as Corey Joseph I like him um, for some sort of bench generalness coming off in like with the with the second team can run the point he can score a bit good distributor uh, I'm just curious to see what what Bagley does uh, mm. in year two if he takes that next step like Fox as I said before I love him Harry Giles is another one of those diamonds in the rough I'm like man if he can put it together he could be special yeah. but I don't see that happening sadly um, this is this is interesting for me because I actually think Fox is going to be the guy who's going to 
take that next step. And I, I get the feeling he might be, like I said earlier, sort of knocking on the door for all-star contention. Um, oh, yeah. He, he was, I think he should have, like, he was in loose discussions last season. Like, he had a ripper of a season. And um, he's, he's almost like that highlight real player rather than, yeah. you know, you might have guys like Zach Levine who can produce the flashy dunks and, and whatnot. But every time I saw De'Aaron Fox with the ball, he was from one end of the court to the other within about sort of four seconds. The guy, yeah, he's, he's an animal, man. He's yeah, so quick. He's a he's the roadrunner of the NBA. It's in it's insane. Um, hopefully, he can sort of combine everything and, and become more of a uh, a complete player um, and sort of tie it all down for the Kings because really um, they've got that core there. And you know the, the 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 pieces are there on the bench, like you said. Ariza is that real solid presence. Did absolutely shit all in Phoenix, but. Um, Deadman, like you said as well, is also another underrated pick. And like I said before, Rashawn Holmes was a very valuable. Um, yeah, grabbed him from your sons. Yeah, look, I I think he's he's going to be a a nice sort of lock for them over the coming years. And and even for you, Corey Joseph, who played you know a couple seasons in Toronto, um, he's not short of a you know a spark off the bench. So could you? perhaps argue that the playoffs or at least you know maybe ninth or tenth in uh, in the west is is attainable for the the kings I, I think they could be sniffing around that nine or ten if if the the results go their way like obviously with just about every other team like health is going to play a big thing but if these this young core can develop and grow together and play cohesively i think um, Deadman at center will be good for them. He's, he's a bit of a floor stretcher. Like I think he shot 34 odd percent from three this year. So, mm. uh, you know, he's not going to be just glued under the post, which I like. Um, yeah, exactly. Bagley, Bagley, Fox, uh, Heels, and then Barnes with Deadman. I think that's a pretty, pretty decent, good young starting five. And then they've got some decent depth coming off the bench. So yeah, I could see him knocking on the door for a few weeks of the finals but i don't think they'll they'll end up there ultimately i think they'll probably fall in around that 9 10 if it all th- plays out well but they're on the up that's for sure do you think that that sort of position is a safe target or a safe bet for luke walton because obviously like i said earlier he's he's been thrown into the lines then in los angeles and, and really wasn't given much of a a hope in hell trying to manage a, a lebron james team but now that he's been given you know, a, a, a full season with a team that's growing and has that potential. Do you feel like the Kings might give him a little bit more leeway and, and might sort of allow him to shape his own team and, and, and have a bit more of a say rather than, you know, one of the greatest players of all time essentially acting as player coach? I, I think so. Like, because you look at that team, there isn't really that alpha dog in there. Like, there's a couple of young guys that probably envision themselves taking that step to have that kind of swagger and sway on a court. But I think just with some of these young guys coming through, I think they'll be impressionable to what Walton's trying to put out on, on the court and, and listen to his teachings. And, you know, he's a decent coach. So I think if they all stay together, coach and, and this roster, they, they could sort of um, be in the finals for years to come, maybe at the back end of the eight, as opposed to, you know, one through four. But yeah, I think it's going to be a positive step in the direction. Like, what did they finish last year? 39 and 43. I could see him, you know, bumping that up a couple, maybe 43 wins, something like that, almost mm. just flipping those that win-loss around. So, yeah, I, I think their stars certainly pointing up. Yeah, I think the seeds have been sown for the Kings, and I think they're, they're going to reap the benefits, I would say, probably sooner rather than later. 
but um, time will tell for the mm. Kings. And I think given the amount of you know dredge that they've had to go through over the past couple of years, um, they're, they're starting to see the good side of things and fair play to them. They've, they've been through quite a bit. But um, yeah, that is actually all of the, the teams in the Pacific Division. But uh, before we go, I did actually want to mention something that happened a couple of days ago. Not sure if you're a fan of uh, WWE, Brendan. I know you you tend to uh, focus on probably the the old Attitude Era a bit, don't you? I I am a wrestling tragic. Like uh, full disclosure, okay. when I was a teenager, I was going to be a professional wrestler. I went to wrestling school in Canberra for a little while. Oh, did you? I was Ooh. like, man, when yeah, I'm like, when I turn 18, I'm moving to America. I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I'm going to marry Lita. I'm like, that was <laughs> that was the goal. I'm like, that's happening. No one's getting in the way. Obviously, that didn't happen because I'm, I'm talking here right now and not cutting mad promos on SmackDown or Raw. But yeah, man, I love me some wrestling. Well, it's uh, it's a shame that you couldn't have done that because you could have been going up against uh, Boston Celtics center Enos Cantor, who's uh, somehow managed to win the 24-7 championship on Raw this week. Um, yeah, my goodness. <laughs> I, sh- I should point out for anyone who doesn't understand, the 24-7 championship is essentially a championship that can be defended at any time, at any place, hence the 24-7 name. Uh, but essentially, if there's a ref around, it's a it's a match. You have this yep. match that happens and you can immediately win it. Um, and essentially, it's, it's such a WWE thing to do, but they were in Madison Square Garden this week for Monday Night Raw and they brought out Enos Cantor and it, it, they announced it that he was a former New York Knick and you could mm. immediately hear people booing because, you know, half the people in the crowd probably remembered that he is now a part of the Celtics and you could sort of see it as he was getting into the ring, you know, going over the top rope because he's, what, seven foot, that there's there's clearly a Boston Celtics jersey underneath his jacket. <laughs> and then he, he gets interviewed. R-Truth comes out, who was the 24-7 champion, he throws him to the mat with a big, huge hand over his face. It could have hurt the guy, really. But he pins him, and Enos Cantor for, I would say, what do you, what do you reckon, Brendan? Probably about 10 seconds? Yeah, uh, it was about 10. He becomes 10. he becomes 24-7 champion, and then immediately gets rolled up with a schoolboy and uh, loses the title. <laughs> yeah, like, it was great. It was very, very on-brand, like, that that championship is getting treated comedically and, and this obviously further falls in line with that uh, train of thought but it would have been a nice a nice moment for Cantor like he's, I know he's a big wrestling fan so yeah, it's probably like, a nice check off the bucket list for him outside yeah, of I'm Nelly just, you know getting uh, extradited due to political issues and things like that so okay. it, was, yeah. it was it was just funny because immediately after he won he unzipped his blue jacket to reveal a Boston Celtics jersey a Kyrie, Such a heel move. A Kyrie Irving jersey, no less. And yeah, it was the most heel move. I haven't seen a heel get that many boos in a WWE WWE ring. I'm getting worked up. I'm so excited about it. I'm such a mark yeah, he, for this Yeah, he sort of generated stuff. so much heat. Like, I don't know who put it together. I'm assuming probably Paul Heyman, who writes and controls Raw now, put all that together. But it was it was just perfectly executed. Like, it was cheesy as hell, but just, yeah, the heel mannerisms and then the, the swerve with the jersey, it was just, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, like, it's looking through it as well. Like, I'm on I'm on YouTube at the moment. Um, he's Yeah, like you said, he's got history with it. Like, there's videos of him with Diamond Dallas Page, Kurt Hawkins, like... He's got history with the WWE, and 
maybe there's a there's a career for him after he uh, steps off the court. Maybe like he's a big unit, and like the WWE, they love their their big tall dudes, so he'd fit right in there. And then they'd, they'd naturally play towards the fact that he's he's European, so they'd probably make him some evil European nation and, <laughs> and dress him up in like Cossack outfits and be. You know the the Putin of the WWE or well, it's, something. It's as not. They love to do. I was going to say it's not the '90s anymore. It's not the early '90s where they'd uh, make it so traditionally Russian or European. But um, I was going to say they they obviously do have a thing for guys in other sports who have come across and have sort of picked things up quite quickly. Guys like I remember Tim Visa, who was a uh, a German goalkeeper who played in the, in the Bundesliga. He came across and I believe he was trialing with the WWE for quite some time, but. Yeah, like I said, he, you know, Cantor might have a future in uh, in the world wrestling entertainment industry. Who do you think, actually, I should point out, who do you think from the NBA might have a career in, in WWE? Like, if you look at guys who were... Uh, LeBron. Just just knowing how big and, like, tanky he is, like... I was actually, you know, actually going to say uh, that's that really nice combination of size, look... Charisma. I was actually going to say Stephen Adams. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And he could work with Daniel Vito, uh, who is obviously an Aussie uh, ex-rugby league player who's over there and he's um, signed up with the WWE and NXT. Mm, yeah, exactly. So they could form like a new sort of Maori Islander connection there. So Yeah, no, I, I think he's, he's got he's got all of the, uh, the boxes ticked. So uh, WWE, you've got uh, your next main event star right there, really. Or, or you just bring out uh, Big Baby. Get old Glenn Davis out there and he can just be, you know, just a big, big chunky bit of man meat getting in there doing that weird tongue thing and dancing around the place. Oh, my God. Oh, I was trying to forget that uh, Glenn Davis existed and I've been reminded of it right there. He is like, he is the embodiment of hope. Like you look at him and you go, you know what? There's hope for us to achieve our dreams no matter how far-fetched they may seem. Like... Power to you, big baby. Oh, dear. And I guess on that note, we should probably uh, end proceedings. But <laughs> um, yeah, thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to another episode uh, chronicling the season preview of the NBA here on Hoop Dreams. If you want to follow us, you can do so at We Are 8 Bit. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Tilby. And Brendan, where can they follow you? can follow me at Brendan8Bit and uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe us on the Apple Podcasts or the iTunes as well mm. as on Spotify because those ratings and reviews help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts and it means an awful lot. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to follow us on, on Patreon. Send us a bit of money if you like what you hear from not just us but uh, from the entire 8-Bit community, I should say. But uh, yeah, that has been it for another episode of Hoop Dreams from myself, Matt Tilby, and from my colleague, Brendan White. It is goodbye for now. Take care. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka.